Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. Thanks for joining us. Good morning, brothers and sisters. This morning's scripture text is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 24, verses 13 to 33. And I'm using the New International Version. Verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are! And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us! For it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. And so he went in and stayed with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and it disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem, and there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. Good morning, friends. Really, really so lovely to see you all. Um, I'm going to be speaking this uh, third week on resurrection stories. Uh, next week, we'll pick up our series on the Apostles' Creed. Um, and a thank you to Emily. Emily now lives back in Malaysia, but she still is part of us at Oasis, which is lovely. So thank you for that reading, Emily. Um, as I've been preparing, there's so much in this passage. I think we probably need the whole afternoon and evening to really go into it, but luckily... I've got 25 minutes, so I'm just going to pick out a few um, things that have struck me. Um, my parents chose this passage for their wedding, 
Um, they had lots of friends who weren't Christians and they hoped that at their wedding service, through this story, people might encounter Jesus in unexpected ways. And that's my prayer for us this morning, that we might encounter Jesus where we are. I feel like the worship's already done the preach, really, so I'm just piggybacking on that. I just wanted to take a moment, actually, to honour parents in the room, my lovely in-laws who are up on the balcony, um, all those of you who are bringing your children to church, all those youth who are getting brought here by your parents. It's, this is the way. Jesus is the way, not the creed of Mandalore. This is the way. And it's a good thing when families share faith. Um, anyway, I hadn't written any of that down, so we're already in trouble for timing. I'm going to talk under three headings this morning. First, walking. Second, meeting. And third, eating. Um, I'm going to spend longer on walking because it takes longer to walk somewhere. So don't panic that it's going to be a super long talk, but the first point's longer. So this account is, takes place on Resurrection Sunday, um, and there are two dazed and distraught disciples walking along the road from Jerusalem to Emmaus. This day is the third day of probably the most traumatic weekend of their lives. Um, one of them's named is Cleopas, and Luke tells us elsewhere he was an uncle of Jesus, and the other one's unnamed. And I love that, how that means that if we want to, we can place ourselves in the story with Cleopas walking along. And Emmaus was thought to be about seven miles away from Jerusalem, so about as far as Solihull, maybe not quite as far as Solihull. So yeah, they were, they were walking along the road to Solihull, let's imagine that. Um, so they'd witnessed this horrific death of their leader, their teacher, their friend. And then the Bible tells us that on the Friday night, Saturday, they were just lost in a place of despair. And then, as Adrian talked to us about last week, some of the women claimed that they'd met Jesus, but it was probably too early on for them to really know, has there been a miracle, or is this just a kind of hoax? So these disciples for whatever reason, had decided, okay, we're leaving Jerusalem, we're heading back to Emmaus. Um, and as they were walking on this road, I think their dream of what the kingdom of God was going to be like had been crushed. All their hopes and dreams that they'd spent the last three years believing and committing to were gone. Um, each one of them now had to come to terms with life after their dreams had died. Um, they were suspended in an in-between place, somewhere between loss and hope, grief and joy, suffering, and maybe some redemption, but they, they didn't know that yet. They were, I think they would have been wrung out emotionally, spiritually, physically, and they were powerless to change anything. And as I was preparing, it really struck me that I'm quite often in that in-between sort of space. Um, Eugene Peterson, who uh, is the author of the message paraphrase of the Bible, describes it as being like the point when a trapeze artist lets go and hangs in midair, ready to catch another support. I think we've got an image of that. So that, yeah, that moment there, that in-between, where you've let go of something, but you don't know what's coming next. And so this walk along the road to Emmaus 
is a, an event in history that happened, but it can also be a helpful metaphor for us for those in-between spaces. In-between space can look like a crisis. You've left what you knew, and you haven't been able to replace it yet with the next thing. We see it all through the Bible. It's Abraham leaving his home country for a land he didn't know. It's Joseph in the pit. It's the Israelites wandering for 40 years in the wilderness. They've left Egypt, not yet got to the promised land. It's Jonah in the belly of the fish. It's the disciples on the Emmaus road. I think it's me, and I'm guessing it's all of us at some point in our lives. Anyone else here ever feel a bit in between? Oh, good, okay, good. <laughs> Just me. Um, I'm going to share a little bit about a recent in-between time I had. Um, some of you know already um, that in the autumn, just gone, I had um, a mental health crisis. And I want to share this with you because I trust you guys, you're my family. Um, and I also felt like God might want to use this to, to help somebody else. So um, any of you who know me and Adrian Tall know that I struggle with depression. Um, in November, in fact, it happened very suddenly on November the 18th, I had a kind of quite severe episode the last of about five or six weeks of total darkness. Um, a tricky situation at work triggered a kind of spiral of black thoughts. And um, if you've been here, you know what that's like. Intrusive thoughts that the best option is to take my own life. They were real. They were constant, they were frightening, and it was hideous. Um, and actually, I was due to preach just then um, on the topic of darkness, but I think Adrian and I felt probably that wouldn't be the best thing. Um, <laughs> and in fact, I couldn't, it wasn't only that I couldn't have stood here, I, I couldn't function. I was off work, I was in bed, I was frightened. Um, sometimes it's really hard for us at all, and as Christians, talk about the pain of mental health suffering. Um, but I'm here and I'm sharing this with you because it's not too hard for Jesus. Um, and he does walk alongside us in those blackest, most terrifying moments. Um, and I have known him with me in and through the amazing NHS, in and through the Samaritans, in and through medication, and in and through you guys, my friends and my family who've prayed, prayed for me instead of me. Um, I also just wanted to share, because the fact I'm here now today offering this to you is, is testament to the ongoing work of the resurrected Jesus, that he met me and picked me up and put me back on my feet again. So if you're listening to this now or online and you're struggling, please reach out to somebody, reach out to your GP, reach out to Samaritans, reach out to us here. You're not alone. Okay, I said I was going to be on this first point for a long time. My other observation about these disciples are in this in-between space, but they choose to share that with each other. In verse 14, it says, they were talking about everything that had happened. Um, the disciples' choice to walk along together and talk about all the things that had happened to them was really radical, I think. They could have thought, what I'm going through is too personal, it's so traumatic, it's so confounding, I don't want to talk about it. Let's just chit-chat. Or they could have 
walked together but, but held back and thought, I'm, I just don't want to share what's really going on. But actually, right in the midst of the, the fresh, raw, unresolved feelings, they walked together and they talked. And there's something really significant about that because in that decision and their willingness to walk together and speak honestly, that conversation opened up space for Jesus to meet with them. They weren't praying. They weren't at the synagogue. They weren't at a small group. They weren't at Oasis Church. They were just chatting. They were, but they were chatting about the real stuff. Um, and I suppose just an encouragement for us to hold those kind of spaces for each other to share what's really going on. In January, Adrian encouraged us to ask one another that question, how are you doing centering your life on Jesus? Um, that question is not a provocation to try and sound super spiritual. I think it's an opportunity to share truthfully, um, to walk together. We're on a lifelong journey here. Um, and I wonder how many times you've heard and I've heard the voice of Jesus in those honest conversations. Sometimes it's in the preach. More often than not, it's in those real conversations. Um, and, and also on that sort of subject of sharing, I also really love how at the end of the story, it says the two disciples within the hour have gone back to Jerusalem, so set, set off back to tell their friends the good news of what God's done. And I think that's such a beautiful picture of community as well, that they've shared their suffering and their confusion. Then they meet with Jesus. He does something wonderful, and they share that too. Um, and I'm just thinking maybe someone's come to mind this morning that you want to reach out to. I did, um, I'd encourage us to do that. Um, and I'm really enjoying uh, the Way to Stay Centered course on Tuesday evenings. There's a real sense of sharing in that com learning community um, we're focusing on spiritual disciplines, prayer, fasting, simplicity, etc. But there's real honesty, and it's doing my heart so much good. So I don't normally give a shameless plug for things that Adrian's running, but I would say <laughs> the Way to Stay Centered course is very, very good uh, for the soul and for community. Okay, point one is done. We can breathe. Point two, meeting. Um, in verse 15, we're told that Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. I think this is so helpful for those times when we feel really stretched, um, that Jesus meets them there. I was thinking about ways in which people might be feeling stretched this morning. Um, maybe you've got an amazing career and it's going brilliantly and it takes every ounce of your energy you haven't got capacity left for extended quiet times. Maybe you've got tiny children or other caring responsibilities which leave you with no margins at all. Maybe money worries or chronic health problems or like me, mental health problems are all consuming. Maybe you're grieving. Maybe you're single and lonely and that's hard right now. Maybe you're married and lonely, and that's hard right now. Maybe you're looking in all the wrong places for comfort. Maybe you're at school, and school's just really annoying. 
Maybe you just feel a bit lost. I felt like God really wanted to say, you're not lost. I've got you. I know you and I'm with you, whatever's going on. And that was, really came through in the worship today too. Um, this account shows us how Jesus journeys with us. I've got two images I'd like to show with you. Any art historians in the room will know these are not the most famous. It's not the Caravaggio, but um, there is a very simple picture, which I think we can display. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you can make that out if you're right at the back, but that's the two disciples on the road and then just the outline of Jesus. Um, and I love how in that image, he's, he's there, but it's a mystery. He's with them, but maybe quite, not quite tangibly. And then in the second image, um, it's totally different. Adrian doesn't like this image, but I like it. Um, the figures are just very small on the right, um, and it's, it seemed to me how there's a backdrop of all that they might have been feeling, everything that's going on in Jerusalem is behind them. That's all there, but right in the thick of it, Jesus is there with them. Um, perhaps this morning gives us a chance, as the old hymn says, to turn our eyes upon Jesus and remember he's walking with us through all those ordinary and extraordinary moments of our everyday lives. Um, a breath prayer I sometimes use is this. It's really simple. Breathe in, Emmanuel. Breathe out, God is with me. Breathe in, Emmanuel. Breathe out, God is with me. Just keeps grounding me back in the fact the risen Jesus walks with me he sees me, he knows me, and he's for me. And everybody's thinking, well, even me? Yes, definitely you. Eugene Peterson, again, um, shared the message of who God is with his young son every night at bedtime. Four points. God loves you. He's on your side. My finger doesn't bend very well. He's coming after you. He's relentless. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. Not only does Jesus walk alongside them, but he then explains how scripture points to him. The Bible says Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Imagine that sermon. It would be quite a lot better than this sermon, I would imagine. Jesus explaining the scriptures. I haven't got time to really go into this. This is another whole sermon. But um, it's possible Jesus talked about how he had fulfilled all 456 prophecies about the Messiah in the Old Testament. It's possible that he talks about all the different ways in which he is foreshadowed and pointed towards in pretty much every Bible story that we know from the Old Testament. Um, I can't show you this whole list because it's nine pages long. I wanted to, but Adrian said no, nine pages is too much. But I think there should be a link on the screen for um, a list that shows um, how Jesus is present in every single book of the Bible. And it's, um, I don't know the word for it, yeah, it's hyperlinks on this. You can just hover over it and it takes you in detail through and I looked at that a bit this week it's done my heart so much good really encourage you guys to go and take a look maybe we could have a learning community on it in the future 
Okay, just a thought. Anyway, so much so. But I have just also put in this Glenn Scrivener quote, largely to keep Mike Blaber happy because I know how much he likes Glenn. Um, Glenn Scrivener says this. Um, Christ is um, either patterned, promised, or present on every page of the Hebrew Bible. The flood and the ark, the Passover and the Red Sea, the wilderness and the promised land, the exile and return, war and peace, kingdom and kings, prophets and priests, the temple, the sacrifices, the rituals, wisdom in death and life, songs of lament and rejoicing, the lives of faithful sufferers and the blood of righteous martyrs. The Old Testament is extraordinarily Jesus-shaped. So we don't know what Jesus said um, but I'm excited about finding out more of who he is every time I open scripture. Um, like I said, really, that's a different talk. So, um, yeah, I will, yeah, I will move on. Um, my third point is eating. Um, so after all of that, walking with them, sharing scripture with them, we hear that Jesus took the bread and blessed it, then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. So I just want to make a couple of observations about this. Those four words that Luke uses to describe Jesus' actions with the bread. Took, blessed, broke, gave. I think they're a picture of what he's always doing in our lives. He takes the life that I have to offer him in all its messiness. He blesses it. He breaks me. He breaks me open. He breaks off sin. He brings breakthrough. And then he gives. He gives me what I need to keep going. Um, and those words, took, blessed, broke, gave, are used in the very first communion at the Last Supper, and they're used in the feeding of the 4,000 and in the 5,000, which foreshadow that greater miracle of feeding us with his body and blood for all eternity. The disciples finally recognize who Jesus is because he is truly present in the sacrament of breaking bread. Um, but then he disappears. Um, but he'd said he would stay with them. So although they no longer see him, he's present in the bread he blessed and broke and gave to them. And that's how he's present with us today. Why didn't they know it was Jesus until the bread was broken? I love this comment from um, a little old lady in America called Betty Dunn who wrote this about how it can be hard to recognize God. She said, when life has rocked us to the core, it's hard to be open to an opportunity to experience joy. We often don't recognize something good and divine until it, has sat, until it sits down across the table and has dinner with us. This morning, we'll have that opportunity to see the divine as we sit down and share communion together. Finally, <laughs> this story, the disciples on the road to Emmaus, also points us to the bigger picture of what God is doing in the world. This encounter on the road to Emmaus is a reversal of the Garden of Eden. 
in which God walked with Adam and Eve. Their eyes were open to sin when they ate the forbidden fruit. Now God walks with another couple whose eyes are open to Jesus in the breaking of the bread, the fruit of the tree of life. Jesus blesses them by breaking open scripture and breaking bread. These two disciples give us a physical representation of the whole of salvation history, walking away from God in sin and returning to him through Jesus Christ. In a moment, we're going to take communion together and invite Becca to come back up. Um, I hope this will be an Emmaus Road moment for us this morning where whatever's going on, as, as Beth said in the worship, we can come to God just as we are and expect him to meet with us. Uh, while we're preparing, I've got a few questions for you to consider. Hopefully they'll appear. Um, are you in an in-between space just now? Who could you share honestly how your walk with Jesus is going? Who could you reach out to today to see how they're doing? And as we prepare our hearts, where in your life would you like to see Jesus walking alongside you today?